You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. And every believer listening to me now, I want you to know that you triumph in Christ Jesus, no matter what's happening in our world, our environment, our city, our state. We're confronted with a lot of things, but the Bible says that we win. You know, we began uh, teaching uh, on the aftermath of the George Floyd incident, the murder of George Floyd. And 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 I thought it was going to be one lesson. I really did. And then it spilled over and ended up being four lessons. And then last week, we wanted to hear what you thought. And I invited you to send questions or comments or, and remember, no question is a bad question. And remember, you have the right to disagree. I respect your right to disagree. I won't, I won't take it personal, anything that you say, because that would be disrespectful. It, it would be totally disrespectful for me to disrespect your agreement. So you don't have to agree. But I got a bunch of questions that we want to look at today. And as I said earlier, if you send any questions in today, then we're going to carry those questions over into next week. And we'll continue this as long as you want to do it. I think I need to give you a hand because you did a great job last week in your comments and your questions. I want to know what you feel. I want to know what you think. I want to know where you are. And, and we can just roll this as long as we, long as it goes. So I got I got 21 questions and I, you know, I didn't get a chance to look over most of them. I glanced at maybe the first two, but I didn't get a chance to uh, look at most of them. So I'll just do my best to share with you what I see. So let's let's start off with question one. I didn't know that I had prejudices against whites and anyone who does the less fortunate wrong, including blacks. I've asked God to forgive me and repent it the best I know how. My question is, should I stay away from the racial tension that the media displays on a regular basis? The reason I ask is I find myself having to ask for forgiveness over and over again after I see or hear of racism. And I voice my opinion, uh, which is usually negative or anger based. Thanks, Pastor. Well, I think, you know, as you know, you all are asking great questions. Listen, I think we have to. I think I think what I see beautiful about the, the response and beautiful about the question is, is that you acknowledge prejudice that you had in you uh, against whites and others who uh, work against or you feel work to harm those who are less fortunate. I think that's awesome. I think that's great. I think we need to all be evaluating ourselves. And I think that as we evaluate ourselves, we're going to see that we have some prejudices in our hearts and some things. And listen, what God wants us to do is to melt before the truth. Once we hear the truth, self-evaluate, and we melt before the truth. Uh, listen, you have to decide whether you can handle uh, watching TV or handle watching the news. Uh, I like to watch the news to keep updated. But I feel that if you've gone before God, you've acknowledged uh, the prejudice that you have, you've asked God for forgiveness. Now, personally, I think the key for you is just to guard your mouth. I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about our feelings, doesn't say anything about our emotions. Listen, 
if it if it agitates you or if it bothers you that uh, it brings up these emotions, then maybe you don't need to watch it or look at it. But to be honest with you, I think what you're doing is you're seeing something and then the emotions rise. And I think you're responding to the emotions. And I'm saying if 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 it helps you to not watch anything fine. But to be honest with you, I don't know how you're going to be able to guard yourself from everything that's being said. I don't know how you're going to be able to do that. Don't respond to what you're feeling. Okay. You went to God, you talked to God. God is great. God is fine. God is all right with you. God ain't struggling with you. Okay. When you see something that's negative and you have these emotions, don't respond to your emotions. In other words, don't start speaking out negative stuff about it because you've already talked to God about it. Now, listen, though you guard your heart, but you guard your mouth and just stop speaking negative stuff about it because God is not looking at your emotions. He's looking at your action, that you acted on the word and you ask God to forgive you. So that's, that's the best that I can guard your mouth. Don't speak out what you're feeling. If it goes against the word and when you have negative emotions, speak love, Say the love of God is in my heart. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Uh, the nature of Jesus is on inside of me. I walk in love. Listen, if you speak the word, it'll change the way you feel. I, I think that was just a, a really good question. Uh, my second question, the second question is, can you speak on possible plantation mentality of black people using the system? On purpose, not working and living off food stamps, Medicaid, low-income housing. I know there is a such a thing as white privilege, but for some black people who have worked hard and transitioned to a better life, to see other black people live off the system is disheartening. Another great question. Now, I talked about in our, uh, I talked about in our session about uh, a black. A plantation mentality, and um, I talked about blacks coming against blacks and talking against blacks and putting blacks down. Now, I think I think it's disheartening for any person, black, white, red, or yellow, or brown. I think it's disheartening for any person to take advantage. In other words, if you don't need food stamps, you shouldn't be taking food stamps. Some people take food stamps and they fail them. I think that's terrible. Some people take advantage of the system. Now, I think what we have to do, though, is we have to not generalize, okay? Let's, let's, let's not think black or white. Let's, let's just think it is wrong to take advantage of the system because, you know, I, I did a little research just when I saw this question, I did a little research because I think that a lot of times we buy into stereotypes. I think that without realizing it, uh, when it comes to our, when we look at our race, we tend to generalize, and that's what racism does. It tends to generalize, and it put all people of one color in a group, whether it's black or white. I think that's a form of racism. But really, when I looked at the question, I wondered whether or not it is rooted in in an error. And here's what I mean. If I ask you, those of you that listen to me now, who benefits the most from what we call welfare programs? You know, the government doesn't use that term welfare program. There's SNAP programs, uh, there's Medicaid, uh, food stamp file, uh, comes under those headings. If I ask you, who do you think, what race do you think benefits the most from what we call welfare programs? I submit 
that most black people and most white people would say black people benefits the most. But really, if you do some studying on it, you know, it, there was a study done in 2016 and it hadn't changed in 2018. And I doubt that it's changed much in the last two years. In 2016, and I think, well, 2016, I know there were 70 million beneficiaries of Medicaid, 70 million beneficiaries of Medicaid, and 43% were white, and 18% were black, and 30% was Hispanic. Concerning food stamps, there were 43 million food stamp recipients, and 36.2% were white, and 25.6% were black and 17.2% were Hispanics. So, so what I'm saying is I think that it is a stereotype that we all have that somehow black people are just taking advantage of the system and only black people are uh, getting welfare assistance. But when you look at the statistics, well, you know, if you just do the math, there's 64%. Uh, in our population of 330-some million people, 60-some percent of those people are white, about 12 to 13 percent are black. If you just look at the statistics, you could see that white people probably benefit more from welfare than black people. But back to the question, whether it's white or whether it's black, it's wrong to take advantage of the system. That would be in a system, it would be people going to toys and us and getting toys when they don't need toys during Christmas time. Any person, black, white, red, yellow, brown, that take advantage of the system, then I think it's wrong regardless to what color you are. But I think we should stay away from uh, stereotypes and, and make sure that we get our facts straight. Number three. The question was submitted on an audio clip. I was listening to NPR today and heard this interview with Russell Moore, head of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, about how his faith informs his perspective during two national crises. What particularly piqued my interest was the conversation he had with a college student where he gave his reason for leaving the church. It's not that I don't fundamentally, it's not that I don't fundamentally don't believe in what the church is teaching. It is that I don't believe the church believes in what the church is teaching. Do you believe that this is why the church is so ineffective in taking the lead in promoting racial equality? Now, this person and this I don't know the person. This is the question that was asked, said that they left the church not because this person doesn't believe in what the church is teaching. This person said they left the church because they don't believe that the church believes what it's teaching. Well, uh, to answer the question, I think it is the um, I think it is the historical support that the church has given to racism. I think that it is the historical silence that the church has had related to racism that is hypocritical. I think that it is hypocritical to talk about every other kind of sin and either give support to racism, justify racism, deny racism, or be silent on racism. I think that's hypocritical. And I think what the person is saying is that they see the hypocrisy that's in the church, and for that reason, they left the church. Now, 
I don't think we should leave the church for any reason, uh, because the church was is is uh, was created by God, and and the church is a part of God's plan. And I think that we're going to see a whole lot of things in the church uh, that the church should be doing, the church should be saying, and the church should be dealing with. But I don't think we should leave the church. But because God has put this on my heart, I truly believe, I truly believe that the reason why, in answer to the question, and my answer is yes, I really believe that the church is ineffective in this specific area because of racism. Now, I know you may disagree with that, but I have scriptural basis for it. I believe that Racism is the biggest problem in the church today. I believe that is racism in the church is the biggest problem in the church today. Uh, Jesus, you know, the scripture says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity in Psalms 133. And it talks about how unity causes the anointing oil to flow on top of Aaron representing the church or the believer all the way down to his beard, all the way down to the end of his garment. It it talks about how that anointing flows as a result of unity. And it talks about unity being like dew uh, and bringing forth fruit, uh, fruit and productivity. And then Jesus said in John chapter 17, I pray, Father, that they be one, even as we're one. And then he said something very amazing. He said, I want them, and he was talking about his disciples and all of us who came into the kingdom as a result of their preaching. He said, I want them to be one in us so that the world will believe that you've sent me. Jesus says that when we're one, the world will believe that God sent Jesus. And he also connects the glory. If you read John 17, he connects the glory to oneness, to unity. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt is that revival tarries in America that because of racism in the church. And I believe that we will never see the level of revival in the church until this issue of racism is dealt with in the church. So uh, I believe, yes, I believe the church is ineffective uh, uh, because we've not taken the lead. I believe that we're ineffective because the Bible says that we're the salt and we're the light. And I believe that there's a lot of things that's happening in the earth, in America, in the world that God is holding the church responsible for. I believe that we're supposed to be salt, preserve corruption. We're supposed to be light. They're supposed to, the world is supposed to look at the church and see unity and see believers loving and caring for each other. And I believe because we not light and we're not salt in this area, we're ineffective, but God's glory is not manifested the way it should be. Now that's pretty deep but I believe it with all my heart. And I believe anybody that studies the scripture and spend enough time with God and pray will, will sense that I'm hitting something that's very, very true. Okay. Here's the fourth question. Um, this question was attached to a video clip. So I want to acknowledge that I really haven't had time to read the video, to look at the video clip, but I'm going to read the attached question. The attached show show aired on the National Geographic Channel in 2009. A group of scientists performed DNA testing on 200 random people on the most diverse street in New York. Geneticist Spencer Wells 
geneticist Spencer Wells and a team from National Geographic's question that I was being asked is, what do you think? Could Adam and Eve have been black? Remember, these are white scientists that did the testing. If it was true, that would explain the deep-seated hatred of racism for blacks. Could it be that Satan used slavery to keep us in the dark about our history? Just trying to understand why people can hate someone so deeply because of the color of their skin. Are not we all related? Uh, since Noah and his kids repopulated the earth, you can just shoot me an email with your thoughts later because you probably might not get a chance to watch it yet. Well, I, I, I haven't watched it, but I will say this. I, you know, scientists um, uh, have said that the birthplace, now the question is whether Adam and Eve were black. I don't know whether they were black or not. Uh, scientists believe that they were people of color uh, because of the region, because of, uh, of the area. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's the reason there's a hatred toward black people. I think hatred is sin. I think, I think hatred is sin. Um, uh, you're talking about hatred toward black people, but hatred toward white people is sin. Hatred toward Hispanic people is sin. Hatred is hatred. And I don't know that there's some deep, conspiracy to cover up Adam and Eve. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if I don't know if that's even even important. I think it's important to understand that we have a glorious history that goes way back to ancient Egypt. I think that's more important to me uh, to understand that ancient Egypt was the land of Ham, according to uh, the book of Psalms, and all the pyramids and all the great achievements were people of a color. I think that's more important to me personally than whether or not Adam and Eve were black and whether people hate black people because uh, we started this thing. Personally, I don't know. If it matters to me personally, it may matter to some people, but I think Satan is the author of hatred. And I think whether the scientists are right or scientists are not right, I think the issue is that people have to choose to hate people, you know? And I don't think most people, even white people, have enough history to say I hate black people because Adam and Eve were black. I don't think the average white person even think like that. I don't think they even concern themselves with whether that person was black, Adam and Eve were black, and for that reason I hate blacks. That's my, that's my take on it. I, I think that would be very deep if the average white person traced the history of mankind, discovered that black people were the originators of humanity and then say, I hate black people because of that. I think that would be kind of far-fetched to me. Maybe a small smidget of people would maybe think that, but I don't think that's the way the average white person thinks. Number five, but I'm white, so I wouldn't know. Number five, I was listening to CBN this morning and they had several excerpts trying to defame Black Lives uh, Matter. Pat Robinson was depicting Black Lives Matter as a terrorist organization. They want to paint a negative picture of the group, saying such things as the founders are Marxists, also saying things like the group wants to tear down America and to burn the system. I have stopped watching CBN for some time now, but caught it this morning. I wanted to know what is your viewpoint on this? In my opinion, I consider it somewhat fake news. And personally, I don't like that, I don't like that term, <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna read it. I consider it somewhat fake news and an effort to break apart the organization. I have noticed that in the last couple of weeks, there seemed to be somewhat of a moving away from the empathy felt 
after George Floyd's murder and now a ploy to distract from the truth and to weaken the movement to achieve racial justice in America. Thank you for your input. Now, I, I have some thoughts about this, too. So I think I, I, I really appreciate the, I really appreciate your question. You know, here here's here's what I would say about Black Lives Matter, uh, the organization. I don't know what their I don't know what their platform is. I have not taken the time. Certain people have said certain things about them, about their platform, and about this and their Marxists and you know all this kind of thing and trying to tear down America and all that. Personally, because you're asking me the question. I don't see, I don't look at Black Lives Matter and and throw a title against them. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's fair to throw a title at, at this group. Um, if you want to do that, then you can do that. It's the concept to me that's important. The concept is 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 what is being communicated. I'm not talking about their platform and whether they believe in this because I don't know anything about that. But listen at the concept. The concept, and I think it was formulated in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, after uh, Trayvon Martin's uh, death. I think that it began to come to the forefront I think the emphasis and the philosophy and the concept is that black lives matter. Now, there's been a lot of talk about that. And some people have come back and say, well, all lives matter and all this kind of stuff. Well, the issue was not whether or not white folk lives matter. That was a given. It was a given that white folk lives matter. I don't think it's... I don't think it's necessary to say all lives matter when the majority of our population in America are white people and the policymakers and the, the uh, influencers in our nation are white. I don't, think, I don't think that's the issue. I don't think the issue is white lives matter, all lives matter. I think the issue is what they were saying, and I think the concept is that black lives historically have not mattered. And any person that's honest to history can understand that. Now, concerning Pat Robinson, I won't say anything about Pat Robinson because I don't personally try to get into attacking and throwing people down and all that kind of stuff. I will say this, that I agree that there is a distraction here. The issue after the George Floyd death, killing, murder, whatever you want to call it, the issue was racial injustice and police brutality. I think a lot of people are changing the narrative. I think the narrative is being changed. I think white people are changing the narrative. I think black people are changing the narrative. I think uh, all this stuff, uh, riots, uh, looting, uh, all this stuff, changes the narrative. It, it gets people to thinking and, oh, they're burning this and they're doing this. And, and all of a sudden we get distracted. But I think white people are doing the same thing. I think white people are changing the narrative. They turn to black folk killing black folk and they point to this. And, and I, think, I think this issue of racism is what we have to focus on racial justice, racial equality. I think that's the issue. So on both sides, I think whites and blacks are in some cases intentionally, and then in some cases unconsciously 
changing the narrative from what is going, the whole matter. Now, you know, it, I'm not trying to defend Black Lives Matter and the organization I'm not, but I will say this. It is a historical response of defense. It's a, a, a it's historical that racism always pushes against the movement. Racism has always done that. Racism has always been in denial. Racism has always resisted. The racism has always projected. You the problem. You did this and you the problem. And, and see what a lot of people don't think about. There was a time when the civil rights movement now, people celebrate the civil, blacks and whites celebrate the civil rights movement, and they celebrate Martin Luther King, and they talk about he was a, a great person. But during the 60s, the 50s, in particular the 60s, Martin Luther King wasn't considered a great American. He was considered a communist, and, and the civil rights movement was considered communism, it was unpatriotic, it was uncivilized, it was attacking America, tearing America down. I think that there will always be a resistance by racism in a movement. And whether people want to admit it or not, and get distracted or not, God is doing something in the world, and the unfortunate reality is the church is still complicit through silence or attacking and being distracted and talking about this rather than the church looking on the inside and saying, just like the first person said, I recognize some prejudice in me, and that's the that's the indictment I have against the church. And I love God's church. I'm a part of it. And I know it's going to ultimately win, but that's the, that's the problem with the church today. We're complicit. We, we're silent and we, we, we side on the, on the side of racism and, 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 and God is going to change that. Number six, why did God create a woman for every man he created? Why did God create a woman for every man he created? Black, white, brown, and so forth. Obviously, he sees color as well as everyone's hearts, and we see color also. So should we have interracial relationships, especially since racism is so strong across the world? Now, the question is, should we have interracial, interracial relationships, especially since racism is so strong across the world? Well, just speaking from a biblical standpoint, God has never, God has never dealt with the color thing. See, the, the, the color thing, the skin color thing is a white construct. It is, it is, it is something that was rooted out of white superiority. God never, biblically, God doesn't even deal with color. The scripture says in, in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, it says God is no respecter of, God is no respecter of persons. And it says in every nation, those who will uh, walk in righteousness is accepted by him. Well, when you look at the word nations there, it means the Greek word is ethnos and it, it means ethnic groups, ethnic groups, you know. So when it comes to race, you have to understand that race is something that man created. You know, man created and put people in buckets. God didn't do that. God didn't put blacks in a black bucket and whites in a white bucket. And God didn't do that. Man came up with this race thing. And then man connected negatives to certain races and positives to certain races. You don't even find that in the Bible. It's not even in the Bible. God didn't even deal with that. Should there be interracial marriage? 
If you want somebody and you love somebody, it shouldn't matter what color they are. Now, when you look at the Bible, Abraham was married to a black woman. After Sarah died, he married a woman named Keturah. She was a, a, a black woman. Uh, David married a black woman. Her name was Bathsheba. Um, uh, David, Abraham, the, you know, Moses married a black woman. Uh, she was an Ethiopian woman. You find that over in the book of Numbers. So when you look at the Bible, in fact, the only time we see God getting upset about the interracial thing was when Miriam and Aaron got upset because Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. And then God came on the scene and God straightened out Aaron and Moses. So that tells you God is not even in that color thing, if you love somebody, you're attracted to somebody, they're attracted to you, really all the scripture talked about really is being equally yoked spiritually. Bible says nothing about color. It says be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's all God ever talked about, being spiritually yoked with the right people. Now, will you have some challenges? Probably. You're going to have some challenges. If you choose, but to me, if you and your wife are on the same page, it doesn't matter uh, what people think about it. Uh, there's going to be some racists who's not going to like it on both sides. going to be some black folk not going to like it. It's going to be some white folk not going to like it. But you don't have to live with them. You don't have to live with them. You're living with your spouse. So... I don't, I don't think it's anything wrong with it from a biblical standpoint. Number seven, Pastor, can you speak on people who come from mixed race backgrounds? I know right is right, but how do they respond when they hear racism coming from both sides? That's a good question, and it's a tough question. And I think sometimes biracial uh, individuals uh, have challenges. I mean, they have challenges because... Sometimes in sometimes in the white community they shun, and sometimes in the black community they are shunned and not considered black enough or or whatever. And I think that's challenging. I think it's difficult. But here again, I think it's very important for couples. Uh, who have children, interracial couples who have children, to talk to them, walk them through it, be open and honest about the race thing, <clears throat> help them to understand that folk are not going to like them on both sides, blacks or whites, not going to like that on both sides, and build up their self-esteem. I think parents have the responsibility to build up their self-esteem. I think Christians have a responsibility to build up people's self-esteem. So if I, if your parent is building you up and you're getting in the word, then you can handle the pressure that comes at, but it's difficult. It's extremely difficult, but I think it's important for parents, those interracial couples, whether it's a black man or a white woman or white woman and a black man, whatever it is, I think it's important for them to spend time, quality time, educating them, their children about race and talking to them in a realistic manner that they're going to be different people. And I think if they're built up in their home, and I believe if they're built up in the world, world they'll overcome and win in that. Dr. Moore, thank you for this conversation. Can you please speak to the concept of Christianity being a white religion, being introduced to black slaves to keep them compliant, and some black people do not accept Christianity because it is it's the white man's religion? Okay. I, 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 dealt, uh, I dealt with that somewhat in... Um, uh, the the four lessons that I talked about it, and I'm starting a new series this Sunday called Muted Voice, and I'm going to hit it again. I separate, 
And I'll, I'll specifically do it in the teaching that I'm going to begin Sunday, uh, Muted Voice. I separate genuine, I separate genuine Christianity from what I've termed white Christianity. Um, from a historical standpoint, Christians, white Christians and white ministers gave support to slavery, uh, supported slavery, and gave what they called religious justification for slavery. They took the Bible, and I talked about the slave Bible, but they also took scriptures in the New Testament, and they were distorted. They left out. They were edited, redacted versions of the, of the scriptures, and they created what I call white Christianity. And it was designed to keep the slave in a submissive state, and the slave would not be rebelled, would not rebel because if the slave was taught that God cursed them and made, put them in an inferior state and that God wanted them to submit to whites, if they were taught that and yet it was illegal for them to read the Bible for themselves, then they formulated not genuine Christianity, they formulated white Christianity, and that's where the black Muslims, uh, not all Muslim, but black Muslims began to say that the Bible was the white man's religion. But Christianity, genuine Christianity, is multiracial, multiethnic. But white Christianity, if you want to call if I like to call it that because I want people to see that that was a fabrication. It was not God. It was not the Holy Spirit. It was a fabrication. But there are people, even today, black people today, who resist Christianity because they think it is the white man's religion. And you hear people still say that today. But that was uh, a distortion of Christianity. It was a redacted version. It was a false version of Christianity. It was not, it was not genuine Christianity. What about the statement, I'm not prejudiced because I have black friends. I am a very social person and I don't count my white, I don't count my, I don't count my white friends. Well, you know, that, that works both ways. You hear people say, you know, you know, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not a racist because I got black friends or I got members in my family that are black or white uh, black people say I got white friends and I got white folk in my family. To me, <clears throat> a person can be a racist and have white friends or black friends, because the issue with racism is, is how you group people. In other words, you know, when you, you know, when you group people and put people in groups, sometimes black people do it. Like the, the, the person said black people, you know, on food stamps, they put blacks in a group. Well, when you group people and you put them in a group and then you add a tag to it, to this group you add positive and to this group you add negatives. And when you see people as a group, you're entering over into racism. And the real question is, do you see people as equal? You know, do you, do you, when you look at people, do you see people as equal? Do you put blacks and whites on the same level when it comes to character, when it comes to intelligence, when it comes to beauty, when it comes to civility? In other words, do you think white folk is less civil than black folk? 
or you think this person is this more than this person. When you start getting into those kinds of comparisons, then you're getting over into an area of racism. And I personally think that most racism is unconscious. I think that it's possible to be a racist and not know it. I mean, you, you know, when you look at our actions, you know, and you can look on both sides of it. You know, if white people move over into your space, do you think, what are they doing in my space? You know, what, what are they trying? They're trying to take over my space. You know, when blacks move over into a space, do you feel funny about that? Do you want to move? Do you want to? You want to move, move your kids, move yourself, get away from that. So you have to look at your heart and being honest with your heart because a lot of times people are grouping people and they're doing it in an unconscious manner. Uh, so I don't think saying I'm not prejudiced is the true indicator. I think it has a lot to do with what level do you see people on? Do you see them equal to you? And then secondly, do you group individuals? Do you put groups over here? You said these people are more violent or these people are more intelligent or these people are this. When you start grouping people, you're over into racism. When I pay tithes and give offerings, am I helping that church support their beliefs and non-beliefs? Um, I think, that's, I think that's a good question. When I pay tithes and give offerings, am I helping that church support their beliefs and non-beliefs? Uh, I think that when you give tithes and offerings, you are supporting, you are supporting, regardless to what church it is, when you're investing tithes and offerings, you should be led by God, number one. Number one, you should be led by God into where you're going to put your tithes and where you're going to put your offerings. That's number one. You should be led by God. Number two, it should be on your heart to support whatever local church you're connected to. You're, you're supporting that church. You're giving to God, but you're also supporting that church. And just naturally, you would be supporting what the church believes you will be supporting what the church believes. So, what do you think? What do you think? Next question. Is this considered racism when black people said things like, I'm not going to see black doctors? I tell them that our people had a hard time getting their degrees we have to be twice as good. They seem to think our people are not as good as whites. What do you call this pastor? Uh, I, I call it, in most cases, I'm going to call it three things. I'm going to call it three things. Well, I'm going to call it two things. Okay. When you say black doctors... Okay, when you say, uh, I'm not going to see black doctors, then that's racism. That, that, is, that is a plantation mentality, and it is a form of racism. Now, here... You know, I was I was thinking about this and studying about this. Here is black people. Now, you may disagree with what I'm getting ready to say now. You may totally disagree. And all right, I respect your right to disagree. I respect your right to disagree. I think sometimes as black people, we... We... Now, I'm, I'm answering the question, but I want, I want to give you a scenario. See, can you follow me on this? We tend to 
individualized. Now, this question could be worded differently. It could be worded, I'm not going to white doctors, but that's not the question. The question was, the person says, I'm not going to see black doctors. Okay. Now, in answering this specific question, I want to say this. This is a this is probably, well, not probably the person said when blacks say this, when blacks say, I'm not going to black doctors, or blacks could say, I'm not going to use black business people, I'm not going to use black contractors. I say that that is racism. I say that that is uh, racism. Now, here's, here's why I say it's racism. It is racism because some blacks, not all, but some blacks individualize errors and mistakes that whites make, okay? For example, well, I'm going to say the statement, then I'll come back and give you an illustration. I think some blacks individualize mistakes that whites make and generalize mistakes that blacks make. Okay, now, you got, you got where I'm going from. Okay. Black people, not all black people, but some, will go to a white doctor, because my wife and I had a doctor one time, did, I mean, they gave us a physical. The white doctor gave, his wife was a doctor, and he was a doctor, and we both got physicals, and we went in there, and they just hit us on our knee, asked us how I felt, and, and all that kind of stuff, and we left. It was terrible. It was the worst physical I've ever had, and it was a white doctor. Got it? Now watch this. Most blacks, not most, but some blacks will individualize that. Okay? They will individualize that, and they will say, you know, so-and-so and so doctor did me this way, and I'm going to go and get me another doctor. Now watch this. And that black person will leave that doctor and go to another white doctor. So they individualized it. They didn't say, well, you know, all white doctors, all white doctors is like this. No, they individualized it. They said that white doctor. They said that doctor. And so they will go to another white doctor because they individualized it. They didn't leave there saying, my wife and I didn't leave there saying, well, you know, all white doctors. I'm not going to deal with any more white doctors because all white doctors, no. We individualized it. We said that doctor. Now, what some blacks do, they go to a black doctor, and let's say the doctor does something bad or not good or whatever, slipshod or whatever, and they will say, some blacks will say, I'm not dealing with any black doctors. So they took an individual thing and they generalized it. They, they made it all black doctors. That is a form of racism. And, and people do the same thing with business. They'll go to a white business, and they could be terrible. And they turn right around and individualize that and go to other white business because they don't set all business people or don't have it together. But they'll turn around and say, you know, I don't deal with them black folk. I don't deal with no black business because they, so we generalize black. People do churches the same way. We do churches the same way. They can go to a white church. Now, listen, I'm not just answering the question. I'm not talking about which is better. They'll go to a white church, and people can go if they want to go. And they'll see something wrong, or they'll have a problem, and then they will individualize that. Okay, they made a mistake, but they don't say all white churches. Blacks, some blacks will go to a black church and they run into some problems 
and they'll leave that church and they'll say, you know, all them black churches, all them black churches this and black churches that and black churches, and they've not been to all black. But it's a form of racism. It's a form of black self-hate. It is a plantation mentality. They have took an individual situation and generalized it, but they wouldn't do it on the other side. So I think that's racism. I think that is a black person operating in racism. If you say it comes out of your mouth, I'm not going to deal with black doctors or black business or black churches. If you say that, you are involved in racism because you have grouped people. You have add a negative stigma, a negative tag to a whole group of people. Now, the person said, uh, they said, uh, they responded to this by telling them that our people had a harder time to get their degrees. And that's true. We have to be twice as good. In most cases, that's true. They seem to think our people are not as good as whites. Now, that everybody doesn't think that, but some blacks do think that. So what do we call this? And I think I've already called it what I think it is. I think it is racism. I think it is a black person being a racist against other black people. Now, you can take that. What's the best way to expose a company that sells consumers Sales to consumers of racism. Um, you know, that's a difficult question to answer. You know, it, it's a difficult question to answer because the, the natural response would be, um, you're exposed by not shopping. Okay, not shopping. I hear people say, well, we don't need to go to this one place, and we don't need to go to this place, and we don't need to go to this place because of this. But some of the other places that they're going to, they're going to may have the same thing going on. So I think we just have to be led by the Spirit. In the civil rights movement, the bus boycott, it was specific, it was definite, it brought about change. In other words, it hit people in the arena of economics, but it was a it was a general thing. It wasn't scattered here, there, you know, these people, it wasn't a scatter. It was, we're not gonna ride the buses. We're not going to ride the buses. So black people did not ride, it was more targeted and it, 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 people tend to respond to economics in the truest sense of the word. When, 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 you, when you touch people economics, even races tend to respond to that. So in answering that question, I think you have to just pray for a strategic thing. And if it's going to really be powerful, it has to be group behavior. It can't be just one individual deciding this and, and deciding that and going to have a real impact. Uh, I really would like for you to respond to some of these questions because I want to hear what you think. It's obvious now that we're going to do this next week. It's obvious we're going to do this next week. But let's, let's see, can we answer a few more? What do you believe is the job for young people during this time? What do you believe is the job for young people during this time? What do you believe is the job of young people? I think young people, you know, that's a broad category, young people. Um, some young people would be under their parents. Uh, some young people would be in college. Some young people would be in a job world. So different things would, but I think what, what what we all need to do as Christians, number one, we need to pray. And then number two, as Christians, we need to educate ourselves. 
And I, I mean, Bible education, um, we, we should educate ourselves in Bible, but I, I think that blacks need to be educated in black history. I think we need to educate ourselves in racism. What does it mean? I, I think you can Google a lot of things. And you know, I tell you, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of studying. And once I read and once I study, I'll ask the Spirit of God, okay, now what's good? Out of what I read, what is good? And out of what I studied, what, what is consistent with you? Because I don't want to fill my head up with a lot of stuff and I come out, you know, like a Black Panther, you know what I mean? And I'm hating white folk. I, see, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I think that we lack education. We don't, I think blacks don't understand civil rights. I think blacks don't understand slavery. I think blacks don't understand our history, the history of segregation and Jim Crow laws. And, and I think one of the things that young people should do in this time is educate themselves and I think that young people should ex talk to other young people about it and have focus groups and discussion groups. And I honestly believe this because young people can go all the way to, you know, the Thomas Beavers and the Mike McClure Juniors. And these are young guys. Um, ministers, pastors, I just think that they are going to lead. I think young people are going to lead. I think it is the time for young people to lead us. I think some of us, we still got a lot, some of our age, we got a lot of junk in us. We got a lot of stuff in us and we walking around with it. And I just think young people are going to be the leaders of, I think young people is going to lead us into the promised land when it comes to racial equality and racial justice. I really believe that with all my heart. I believe it's going to be black and white young people who are going to really not have all this junk in history in them. And I just believe young people are going to deal with it. But I think it's so important to educate yourself to know what you're standing up for and what you believe in. And I think it's great to march. I think it's great to protest. But I think you need to know why you're doing it. And I think you need to be able to look at all the fringe groups and all the other little people and little, little entities jumping in there and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, taking folk, focus off of it. And, and, and so it's... I'm praying for the youth to really deal with it. I think I said this last time. I believe that black history needs to be taught in our schools, need to be taught in elementary schools, high schools, and college. It shouldn't be, um, I don't think it should be just a elective. I think it should be a required course. I think we need to, we need to educate ourselves. We, we need to... I've been studying and, and, and I've learned so much, you know, about this. And, and I believe that God is moving in a special way. Um, I think I can, I think I can answer one more, more question. I was trying to get, I was trying to get halfway and we, we got more than halfway. Um, um, you mentioned verse, this is the 14th question. I had 21. You mentioned in the last episode that white America always think they're the experts. As I strive to develop my life and my family's life through reading books on subjects that such as marriage, leadership, or finances, how do I balance who the experts are when you don't find or haven't been exposed to African-American or other ethnic writings. Well, you know, in in my next, because we're gonna do this again next week. I'm I wrote down some of the books that I think are good books. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you some books and some authors that I think will expose uh, us 
I, I think this is a great question. Um, I, I think there's quite a bit of ignorance on both sides, but there are some great authors, black authors, who have some very wonderful books and some wonderful teachings that historians uh, who can give us information. Uh, but like I said, when I read books, the Bible is my foundational book. See, I, I don't, I don't want to just build black theology in me or black history in me. I need to know black history. It's important to know. It is, it's been removed from history. So I got to get informed. But as a Christian, I got to make sure that I am basing what I'm believing and what you discover is as you reading, you'll see that that God hates racism as much as you do. I mean, God hates racism, so it won't hurt you at all. But we don't want to come out of any educational endeavor hating any race. You know, I am a proponent of being educated. And now it's so easy. You can get your cell phone now and, and you can Google anything and you can learn a lot about things. And then, you know, I want you to listen to, to my new series that I'm going to start Sunday. It's called Muted Voice. Uh, I'm taking part of what I shared on my podcast, but I'm expanding it. And we're going to look at some subjects. And so you're going to hear some things that I said in uh, the podcast, but you're going to also hear me explain some things in a deeper way when we get into it, because it's going to be about seven lessons. It's going to be about seven lessons. I've completed them. They're going to be great. You're going to get blessed. So I think that's another way to educate yourself. Listen to me beginning this Sunday uh, on Muted Voice, uh, 930. We're, uh, with Facebook, uh, 930, you can pick us up. Uh, I believe it's going to be a, a going to be a blessing online. Well, you know, I went another hour and we covered about fourteen questions. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions to go on this list, and any other questions that you send in, we'll um, talk about it. And if there's anything that I said in this episode that you disagree with or you want more explanation on, then send me a, send me a question. I believe it'll be a blessing. Love you. <laughs>